Today we're pleased to be once again joined by my man Michael Katz. Gotta give him a follow at Michael L. Katz on the Twitter machine. And he covers the Ole Miss Rebels for the Mississippi Daily Journal. Michael, thank you so much for joining me once again. Hey, thanks for having me. It's draft day. This is like my favorite, other than probably like bowl, I would say bowl week, but it's like bowl month. Other than that, this is like my favorite event of the year. I it's just I I will watch every single pick because one I'm a degenerate, um, but two man it's just so much fun to see you know guys that you've covered and following kind of you know get their dreams realized. Yeah, no doubt. And so we are recording this right before the draft. This is going to hit uh, uh, go live on Friday, so the first round will be done. So we don't know if Matt Corral. We'll be drafted in the first round as we're recording this, but hopefully he is. And let me pitch it to you this way, Michael, because I know you've you covered Matt. You've written about him many times. Why will Matt Corral be a solid quarterback in the NFL? I think he is really good for what the NFL is sort of trending toward right now. And I think if this had been, you know, 10, 15 years ago, I think his size would scare people off. But the fact that we've seen guys like Russell Wilson and you know, I know Baker Mayfield, people have a lot of thoughts on him, but you know, he was the first pick and Drew Brees had a really successful career at, you know, generously probably around six foot. Um, but I just think with sort of the, the, the run pass options and, and the emphasis on, on quarterbacks who kind of do, I mean, the NFL is kind of trending toward like what the college schemes are doing now in terms of what they're running offensively. And I think Matt is just a really good, match for that sort of offense and I think a lot of teams are running that sort of scheme the RPOs and uh, quick throws and uh, taking advantage of his athleticism you know I I know that you know he he can get himself in a little bit of trouble by you know maybe lowering his shoulder one too many times and you know it's one of those things where you're not going to really take that out of him uh, because that's just kind of who he is but uh, I think his he's he's got he's got a big arm and that's not going to be a problem. He's a smart kid. He's got the athleticism. I know there's some hesitation just in terms of you know how that offense translates, but I think that the offense is a lot closer to what the NFL is running than it would have been like 10 years ago when there was like the quote unquote pro style offense. I don't really know if there is like a pro style offense anymore. I think there's just all these spread elements, and I think Matt does that really well. He's a gamer. He's a leader. I know teammates and coaches love him. Um, you know, I, I know there's no such thing as a, a surefire bet, and you know, who who knows how it's going to end up, and and what who he ends up with is obviously going to make a difference. But I think he's he's got all the skills, and I think he's got the intangibles that are going to give him a chance to be a good one. And there's several other prospects from Ole Miss that are going to be drafted here, either in the first round or the rounds to come, and. You know, there's guys like Sam Williams, who's just been dominant. I think Jerrion Ely, who's, you know, maybe a little inconsistent, but he just screams a guy that could really break out in the NFL. If, if you had to pick one more Rebel that you think, not necessarily he may be the, the second guy drafted from the team, but the guy that you think may have the brightest future in the NFL, who would that be? I would probably say, and this is kind of cheating because, like, I don't think this is going to catch anybody like by surprise. But Sam Williams, I think, is has a chance to be a really, really good player. And obviously, he he really broke out this year with you know becoming All American and All ICC and all that stuff. Blew up the combine like I was told he would. He ran like a four four six or whatever it was at two hundred sixty pounds, which is just just absolutely ridiculous. So I think he's going to be a guy like if you are looking for a pass rusher 
a big, strong guy who can contribute early. I think he's going to be able to get on the field uh, and, and do that. I, the, the other one, and this is kind of one that like some people have forgotten about, is, is Ben Brown, the, the guard um, who missed a lot of this year with injury. Um, you know, I've kind of seen him in like the fourth, fifth, sixth, you know, that third day range. But, you know, I, I think people really like kind of his, one, his versatility, but two, uh, his makeup, by all accounts, he's just a, a really good kid and was really kind of the leader of that offensive line until he got injured. And so I, I think I think those two are probably you know the sure surest bets to get drafted for sure. But I think they're guys who are going to stick around. Uh, you know, Jerry Neely and Snoop Connor. I think those are wild cards because you know the NFL is just you know, in, I, you know, I, I hate to use like the term devalue the running back, but you know you don't see running backs go super high anymore and you know just with his production jerry probably wasn't going to be a a second day pick i think he's a guy who can go in the third round um i, I think his his athleticism and versatility is is going to do him favors just in terms of being able to contribute as a receiver and on special teams um but uh yeah he's a you know he's, he's a guy that i think if, is in the right place could could definitely make a difference too so switching gears to the current team of course, the big storyline coming out of the spring, Jackson Dart versus Luke Altmeyer, and this quarterback competition is likely going to go deep into the training camp. Where do you where do things stand right now with uh, the starting quarterback competition there in Oxford? Well, I, I don't think people were particularly thrilled with the spring game um, because Jackson, I believe, went like 11 out of 30, I think it was, which – like, you know, that's that's not a completion percentage that's that's going to make a lot of fans, like, really happy about bringing him in. But, uh, you know, he played a lot better in the second half. Luke was just really solid throughout the spring game. But, you know, I, I don't put a ton of stock in spring games just because, you know, I think we've seen at every school, like, you can have a guy run for, like, 120 yards in the spring game and then no one ever hears from him in the regular season. And I think, you know, just because someone plays a certain way in the spring doesn't necessarily mean it's going to translate to, you know, what we see in August and September. So, um, you know, from, from what we've been told, you know, both guys had their ups and their downs. Kind of the book on both is that, that Luke Altmeyer is probably the more consistent guy and maybe doesn't take as many chances down the field, but isn't going to make the big mistake. Um, that's kind of what we, you know, what we kind of figured was going to be the case, and especially since he's been on campus longer than Jackson. Jackson's only been there for, you know, a couple months. I would expect him to know the playbook a little bit better. Uh, and Dart is, you know, he's got he's a guy who really wants to take that huge dagger shot down the field, and sometimes it's going to come back and bite him. And in the spring game, he made a couple throws where you were like, that wasn't there. You know, he's got to be maybe a little bit less reckless, but the skill sets there and sometimes he will make a throw that really makes you say, wow. So, you know, I, I, I don't know. It, it, I, I think it's going to be something that isn't decided, you know, officially until you know, sometime probably right before the first game. I think there's a lot of factors, um, but you know, I, I think it should be fun to monitor, but uh, you know, it's, it, it's hard to not imagine, you know, when you bring in a guy like Jackson dart, not seeing him eventually being the guy, you know, I don't think you brought him in to like, be a bench warmer. Uh, but at the same time, I think Luke's going to get every opportunity. So it's going to be interesting. And, and I think who, whoever ends up winning the job is, is, is going to have an offense that is going to fit, uh, you know, what each guy does well. Now you say, don't put too much stock in the spring game. That's a smart thing to say, but I need something to overreact to here from what we saw over the weekend. And I'm going all in on this tight end, Michael Trigg, 
and continue to hear great things. I, I'm basically convinced he's going to be a breakout star in the SEC. Tell me uh, whether I'm right or wrong there. I think you're absolutely right. He's a freak. Um, I remember like the first time we went out uh, to the practice field and we were like, we had heard like he was a really big guy. And like we looked out there and we were like, oh, this guy's like quite literally built different. Uh, he's just, he's bigger, stronger, faster than like everyone out there. He just, you know, as like, I don't remember who said it, but it was like when you, like you have like a, a kid who's older than everybody else playing against little kids. Like it looks like that. And he was dominant in the spring game. You know, he obviously had a connection with Jackson Dart from the time at SC. Uh, he was productive at SC until he got hurt, um, you know, partway through the year. Uh, I think that if we kind of look historically at what Lane Kiffin's offenses have been in the past five, six years, wherever he's been, the tight end has played a really big part. You know, OJ Howard, uh, Harrison Bryant, uh, Kenny Yaboa a couple years ago. Um, you know, last year it wasn't really as much of a factor, I think, main, mainly because, you know, maybe they didn't have a guy quite of the same caliber as those guys. But uh, if you look at just in terms of uh, an explosive guy, I, I, I think Michael Trigg has a chance to be a superstar for sure. Then moving on from Trigg, let's, you know, let's not put him in the equation. Who do you think is Ole Miss leading receiver next season? Ooh, that's a good one. I am going to say... Jordan Watkins, the Louisville transfer. Uh, I know that probably like the popular guess would be Jonathan Mingo, and it could very well be Jonathan Mingo. Um, he's he's the veteran. He's the guy with the most experience, but he has had some inconsistency in his career. Um, and, you know, we didn't see much of him this spring. But, um, you know, Watkins is the Louisville transfer. Uh, he did a lot of really nice things for Louisville last year. You know, when we talked to – Lane Kiffin about him, he said he was kind of surprised his numbers weren't better, just kind of based on what he can do. And just in the time that we were able to see, you know, practices, it looked like both quarterbacks are really comfortable with him as kind of that safety blanket. Um, and I think he's a guy who, who's going to get a lot of targets. You know, I, I don't know if he's going to be the super dynamic guy. We haven't really seen enough of him, but I think he's a guy who's, who's who, whoever the quarterback is is going to be really comfortable with. So I, I think I think Watkins is a guy to, to really keep an eye on. Now everyone's psyched up for Zach Evans, you know, former five star. He he did well at TCU. He looks like he may be slotted in right away as a starter for Ole Miss. But the guy that really caught my eye, uh, particularly in the spring game, I didn't know anything about him. You see, he's uh, Bentley. I mean, he looks like he's tailor made to play for Lane Kiffin and, and can do so many things on the field. So uh, of those two players, who do you think has more yards from scrimmage next season for Ole Miss? Yeah, I mean, I, I think Evans is going to kind of be, I don't know if workhorse is the right term, but I, I think he's going to be the guy who uh, probably gets the most carries uh, just because he's kind of more of your, you know, your downhill you know, runner who you could probably give the ball to 25 times if you needed to. Uh, he's he's a stud. Yeah, you know, there's a reason he was as highly sought after as he was, not only coming out of high school, but you know, coming out of the portal. But, man, Bentley just adds an element of kind of like what Jerry Neely could do in terms of being a slasher and a guy who can get in the open field and just kind of disappear down the sideline. Um, and, and you kind of add in his, his pass-catching ability – uh, I think I think those two are going to be a, a really, you know, it, it's hard to say that like when you lost, you know, 2,000 whatever yards of rushing between Ely and Snick Connor and Henry Parrish who transferred to Miami that, you know, they're not going to lose anything in the running back room. But 
when you see Evans and Bentley and how they sort of complement each other, uh, I, I think it's got a chance to be really exciting. Now, the defense, I think a lot of people just assume they're going to take a step back because they lost DJ Durkin, but you got to look at it, man. They, they added Jared Ivey, J.J. Pegues, Kerry Coleman, Troy Brown, Ashim Young. I mean, what are the chances Ole Miss defense, which, you know, they had a hell of a turnaround last year, what are the chances they may even be better this year? Yeah, you know, it's it's – I don't know if, like, there's going to be, like, that All-American kind of guy like Sam was, but – I think, and this is one of the things that William has kind of talked about this spring, especially like on the, the front, uh, the defensive front. This is the deepest they've been, and they've just added a lot of bodies. So, you know, if a guy needs a breather, there's not a huge, you know, gap between talent and skill level. And Yad Ivy, Pegues, um, you know, it's, uh, Cedric Johnson, you know, had six and a half sacks or whatever it was last year. Um, they have some, and you know, Tavis Robinson's a guy who's been there a while and he can do some things. They, they, they've got a lot of talent on that front. That's, I think, one of their strengths. I think the defensive backs are a strength, too, because they return a ton of guys. And like you said, they brought in Aishim, uh from Iowa State. Who's, 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 you know, he's been a playmaker uh, in, in his Cyclones career. I think he's going to step in and, and do some nice things right away. The, the only question really is sort of that linebacker spot because they lost pretty much every meaningful linebacker they had last year with uh, Chance Campbell and, and, and Mark Robinson and, and Lakia Henry. But like you said, they added in Troy Brown and, and – uh, um, uh, you know, Kari from uh, and Kari Coleman from from uh, TCU, and um, you know, I, I think it, it, those guys have a chance to step in and, and do some really good things. We just haven't really seen it. We didn't really see a, a ton of them because um, you know they, uh, there were a lot of injuries this spring, and so it kind of made the evaluation a, a little tough. But uh, if you look at the talent, I mean, you know, Troy Brown was a three-time, you know, all-MAC guy, and I know the MAC's different than the SEC, but it's pretty clear the guy can play. And, you know, Coleman did some really nice things at TCU. So uh, I think this has a chance. You know, I don't know, if, like I said, if you're going to get that sort of, you know, first-team All-American or second-team All-American candidate. And maybe you do, you know, who knows. But uh, I think, like, depth-wise and just in terms of the number of guys that they have, I think this is probably as deep as, as this team has been, uh, particularly defensively. Yeah, and Ole Miss has never won 10 games in the regular season until they did it last season. Now I'm sitting here looking at the schedule, Michael. I mean, the toughest non-conference game, That I mean, it might be at Georgia Tech, either that or Tulsa at home. So you got to feel great about Ole Miss going undefeated in the non-conference. The, the, the SEC schedule, they get Kentucky at home, that's the first – league game at Vanderbilt's a second Albert at home. I mean, is it crazy to think that Ole Miss could win back to back 10 win regular seasons provided that, uh, you know, they hit on a quarterback here. Yeah. I mean, the, the way the schedule lines up, there's no reason they shouldn't be, you know, like six and one or something like that. I mean, this should be a team that's flirting with the top 10, mm-hmm. um, you know, in, in part way through October. Now, the end of the schedule does get a little, you know, dangerous with, uh, you know, LSU at, at LSU at A&M against Alabama at Arkansas, Mississippi state. I mean, those are, you know, th- those on paper look like really, really tough games just because, you know, those teams were really good last year and they are with, you know, Alabama's Alabama. That's, uh, you know, that's never going to be an easy one, but um, you know, I think with how strong they can start, I, you know, I don't, I, I don't, you know, I don't know if they're going to, this is going to be like a, you know, a two loss team or anything like that. But I, I think that like, there's a chance that this is like, 
and I think a, a nine win team is very possible out of this. Cause I think they can win some of those late games. And I think if this team went like nine and three, that would be a top 10, 15 team with just how loaded that schedule is toward the end. And I think they'd be pretty happy with that. I think 10 might be you know, a 10 win regular season would be tough just because, you know, at LSU is, is going to be hard just because it always is at A&M, A&M, you know, there's always a lot around them at Arkansas with how resurgent that program has been. Uh, I think it might be tough to win, you know, all of those games and, and versus Alabama, of course. But uh, I, I think there's a really good chance this is like a nine and three ish team. And, and, you know, maybe if things break right, a 10 and two team, but I, I think, uh, you know, this is, what Ole Miss did last season was, was pretty special. And just, you know, again, it's, it's crazy that they've never had a 10 win regular season ever, even with Eli and, and Archie and, you know, all of these, all of these, you know, really good you know players they've had, this is, you know, a first. And so to expect that, I don't know, but I know the schedule lines up pretty well early. And I think that's going to give them a chance to, you know, probably get around that nine win, uh, nine win range. And I think if that was the case, they'd have to feel pretty good about that. All right, last thing for you, Michael. Really appreciate all your time. So much Southern Cal, USC connections to Oxford. Lane Kiffin, Matt Corral, Jackson Dart, Michael Trigg, the Wyoming Sports Writer of the Year, Michael Katz. I mean, are we destined to have Ole Miss play the University of Southern Cal in the Las Vegas Bowl? I mean, that's got to happen this year, don't you think? I mean, if, 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 if anything is like lining up to go that way, that would be absolutely amazing. Just because like I had a moment the other day during the spring game where, where Jackson Dart was throwing passes to Michael Trigg. And like, I thought to myself, like there's a multiverse where like, this is happening at USC still. Like it just, it really made me think about like the infinite universe, like idea. Cause like, it's just so crazy that like, this is all like come together. Um, it, I mean, the funniest possible thing would be Matt Corral getting drafted by the Seahawks because of Pete Carroll. I mean, that, that would just be the icing on the cake in terms of my mind just being absolutely blown. Uh, no, I mean, it's funny, though. Ole Miss and that USC do play in a couple years, uh, so that, you know, that, that'll be fun. But, man, uh, yeah, I can think of a lot of, place, a lot of worse places to be than Las Vegas uh, for a bowl game. Yeah, I may have made that up, but I swear, at, at one point, SEC, Pac-12, I think they're playing in Las Vegas for the Las Vegas Las Vegas Bowl, unless I could be totally wrong about that. But, hey, I've taken up enough of your time. I really appreciate you. Michael Katz, give him a follow, at Michael L. Katz. He covers Ole Miss for the Mississippi Daily Journal. Thank you so much, my friend, for joining me once again. I, I really appreciate our chats. Of course, man. Appreciate you, buddy.